fellow friends, and welcome to Worldwide Crime. I'm your host, Eric, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Erica. I still don't know why you chose Erica as my name. Because I thought it was cheeky. It's not cheeky. It's lazy. The people like it, and that's what matters. I doubt they care one way or another. They're just used to it now. That's valuable input. Thank you for that. Your less than subtle sarcasm is annoying. Today's story will shed light on the tragedy surrounding addiction. But this story is not only about the damage addiction can cause to the addicted, but the people surrounding them and how far the addicted will go to remove the obstacles that keep the addicted from their addiction. Say addicted one more time. Addicted. Thanks. I just wanted to make sure the audience knew we are talking about addiction in case the 34 times you just said the word wasn't enough. It kind of sounds like a dickhead, which is relevant because that's what you're being. Well struck. I guess I need to check you into a burn unit. Followed up by a colossal fail. You're an idiot. With that said, let's get into the story. Burn unit. You're such a douche. Wellington is a small town in Ohio. According to the 2010 census, it's called home by 4,802 residents including the Petrick family. In 2006, the family consists of Father Mark, Mother Susan, and two siblings, oldest Heidi and youngest Daniel. Everyone called him Danny. Mark is a Pentecostal minister at the New Life Assembly of God. The Petricks are friendly with the community and well-liked. 16-year-old Danny is an active member of his father's church and an active kid. Danny is a PK. PK? Yeah, a preacher's kid. So? PKs are always wild if introduced to certain bad behaviors. They take it to a new level. What? Okay, quick story to help illustrate what I'm trying to say. I served in the military with a PK. A group of us decided it would be funny to take him to a strip club. I mean, this kid never cussed, drank, smoked, nothing. He was as straight-laced as they come. We had to trick him because we knew he'd never agree to go otherwise. I can't remember where we told him we were going, but wherever it was, he saw wind pants with no underwear as a suitable attire choice. This poor kid was knocking stuff off tables. Wow, well, you're an asshole. Maybe, but it was so funny. The girls were like poking at it with stuff. We were dying. It's not funny. It's super funny. Anyway, back to the story. He loves sports and spending time with his friends. Danny is an average student, and all signs point to Danny having a bright future with the love and support of his tight-knit family. During winter break from school that year, Danny and some friends decide to go snowboarding. This would prove to be a trip that would begin to weaken the tight bind that holds the Petrick family together. Danny crashed while on a run down the mountain in which his friends were snowboarding on that day. Danny was injured and had to be rushed to the hospital. As though his injuries weren't bad enough, Danny developed a staph infection near his spinal cord. He and his family were told by doctors that Danny couldn't be active anymore. The slightest subset to the infection could cause it to spread, and Danny could end up paralyzed. Danny is now house-ridden. This is a profound change to Danny's lifestyle, and finding ways to cope proves difficult. Mark decides that if Danny is going to be home all day, he will need something to occupy his time. With this in mind, Mark and Susan decide to get Danny an Xbox 360. Danny loved it and played it with his father at times. They enjoyed Madden and various racing games. It's now 2007 and Danny is still at home all the time. Mark and Susan noticed changes in their son. He wasn't the outgoing, loving, and fun kid they'd become accustomed to. 
According to Mark, Danny began to retreat into himself. He was quiet and took little pleasure in things he used to love. On September 25th, a highly anticipated game launched called Halo 3 ODST. Halo is a first-person shooter. You play as the Master Chief and you battle alien species throughout the game. Danny was aware of this game, but he'd never really played the Halo franchise before. One day while at his friend Jonathan Johnson's house, Danny was introduced to the popular game. Danny became obsessed. He asked his parents to allow him to play it at home. He even offered to buy it with his own allowance. These types of games were forbidden in the Petrick household. Mark and Susan didn't approve of the violent aspect the game offered. This was when the crack in that family bind began to widen. Danny found himself at Jonathan's house more than his own home, playing Halo for hours and hours daily. Danny would play upwards of 18 hours straight, only stopping to use the restroom, sleep, and eat a bowl of cereal. 18 hours straight. Yeah, it's more common than you'd think. That's absurd. Why would parents allow that? I don't reserve the right to judge anyone. The debate about video games and video game addiction has landed in courts a bunch of times. The gaming industry's answer was to put ratings on games to give parents an idea if a game is appropriate for their kids. And guess how well that's going. So, what is Halo 3 rated? M for Mature. It equates to an R rating for a movie, I guess. I'm a gamer myself, and I cannot tell you how many times I've been playing a multiplayer game and heard the voices of little kids playing as well. Like, little, little kids. Six and seven years old. Really, there are a lot more brutal games than Halo, but it is what it is. What's the point of a rating system if everyone just ignores it? So the game developers can say, see, we told you this game was made for mature audiences. The rating's right on the box. Lawmakers can say, see, there's a rating right on the box. Now all the blame lies in the parents' lap. But games are so easily accessible now that I don't see how anyone can keep a kid from playing a game they want to play. It's a slippery slope. This was concerning to Mark and Susan, but what were they to do? Imprison him in their own home? Fearing any further rift with their son, they continued to allow Danny to go to the Johnsons whenever he wanted. Mark and Susan weren't aware of exactly what Danny was doing while at the Johnsons, however. One night in October, Danny saw that Halo 3 had gone on sale. He again approached his parents about buying the game. Danny was again told no. This time, being told no wasn't enough of a deterrent. He snuck out of his bedroom window later that evening, went to the store, and bought the game anyway. Upon sneaking back into his room, Susan caught him and asked him what he was doing, and Danny told her the truth. He showed her the game and again pleaded that he be allowed to play with his friends online in his bedroom. Danny was again told no. Mark took the game from Danny's hand and locked it in a small safe he kept in the master bedroom. Danny was seething with anger and resentment. Not only had he been told no yet again, now he spent his own money to purchase it. The game was just out of his reach, under the same roof. On the evening of October 20, 2007, Danny's rage will get the best of him, and his actions will spark a debate that the whole world had an opinion on. That night, Danny was able to steal the key to Mark's safe. His plan was to get the game and secretly play it in his room. Danny made his way to his parents' bedroom and found the safe located in the closet. With nervous anticipation, he opened the safe to retrieve his copy of Halo 3 and play it until his heart's content. But inside the safe was Mark's Taurus PT-92 9mm pistol, lying right next to Danny's copy of Halo 3. 
In a split-second decision, Danny's plans for that evening changed. He walked into the living room where his parents were sat on the couch watching TV. Danny said in a calm voice, Hey mom, dad, can you close your eyes? I have a surprise for you. Mark and Susan thought maybe Danny was going to make up for his attitude over the last few months, so they obliged. Danny then calmly walked up behind Mark and shot him in the head. His mother, Susan, was startled by the sound of the gunshot. She stood up and faced Danny. He then shot his mother four times, once in the head, twice in the chest. Two of the rounds were through and through wounds on her arms. This indicates she threw her arms up in an effort to defend herself. Just then there came a knock on the front door of the Petrick home. It was Heidi and her husband. They came to watch the Cleveland Indians game with Mark and Susan. Daniel panics and tries to place the murder weapon in his father's hand. To Daniel's shock, Mark is still alive. Danny opens the front door and tells Heidi not to come inside. This naturally caused curious panic in Danny's older sister. She yells at Daniel, demanding to let her in. Just then, Mark makes a guttural yell and hopes to alert his daughter and son-in-law. Andrew Archer, Heidi's husband, had heard enough. He tosses Danny out of the way as though he weighed nothing. Mark recalls the front door bursting open as Andrew charges inside to find out what's going on. In an instant, Andrew sees the bloody mess and Mark lying on the couch, clinging to life. Andrew turns to Heidi and tells her in a stern voice, Heidi, do not come in here. Heidi pays no attention to her husband's demand and comes inside. She sees her parents lying in an enormous pool of blood and she screams. She runs to her mother to help. Andrew runs over to Mark to do the same. It is made clear to Heidi that her mother, Susan Petrick, is no longer alive. She gathers herself as best she can, pulls out her cell phone, and dials 911. I found an actual audio clip of Heidi's 911 call. Um, listener discretion is advised because it gets pretty real, and it's really sad. What's going on? I don't know what happened. I just came over to my parents' house because we were going to watch the game, and um, my mom is shot, and my dad is shot, and my brother's here. Does anybody know what happened? Did, did your brother shoot your parents? During all the commotion, Daniel grabs the keys to the family minivan and his copy of Halo 3 begins driving. It took no time before Daniel ran into a police roadblock and was taken into custody. Danny displayed no hesitation in telling the arresting officers his story. He told police as he was pinned against the minivan, being cuffed, that his mom and dad were arguing and Mark had shot Susan, then turned the weapon on himself. Oh, I'm so pissed at him. He has the presence of mind to grab his stupid game before he steals his parents' van. What was his plan? He was going to go to his friend Steve's house and play. Did he really think that was going to happen? Who knows what his 16-year-old brain was thinking. My guess is he thought he'd be just fine if the blame was all on his dad. He even asks an officer that was in the interview room with him what the penalty would be if he did it. And what that penalty would look like given he's a minor. Dude. I know, but he's 16. I'm sure everything was all hunky-dory in his mind. Dad shot mom. Dad shot himself. Everyone feels bad for me. Now I can play all I want. All of this over wanting to play a video game. Like I said in the intro, addicts will go great lengths to remove obstacles to get what they want. Unfortunately, in this case, Mark and Susan were those obstacles. 
This is so sad. I know. This upcoming audio is from a police dash cam from when Danny was being taken into custody after hitting the roadblock. My dad, he shot my mom and he shot himself. My dad shot my mom! Why would my dad shoot my mom? I, I don't know, man. Mark was rushed to the hospital and immediately went into surgery. After, he was placed in a medically induced coma for two weeks. Danny was taken to the police precinct where he was questioned by a detective. The story Danny had to tell the detective was full of faked emotion and blatant lies. My dad was just yelling, just screaming at my mom. And then I, then I heard my dad walk in the room, into his bedroom, and then walk back out. Oh, I ran out there, and my mom had been shot. He pointed the gun at me. And then he said he was sorry, and then he shot himself. This is audio taken from an interview that Mark gave discussing his thoughts while he was laying in the hospital bed. I'm laying there in bed. Just, why, why did he do this? I said, God, I, I hate that kid. I hate him. He's my son, but I hate him. And so I told God, you know what? The next time I see him, I'm going to kill him. When I began to pray for Danny, who I considered my enemy, when I began to pray for my enemy, the love came through, and that's when the forgiveness came through. With loads of forensic evidence pointing to Danny as the one and only person responsible for the shooting, he's placed under arrest for murder. During Danny's trial, his father was able to attend and testify. By some miracle, Mark made a near full recovery from his injuries. Sadly, while Mark lay in a coma, his beloved wife Susan's funeral had come and gone. Daniel's defense tried to argue insanity caused by a video game addiction. No one, including the jury, agreed. At Danny's sentencing, his father Mark, after somehow finding a way to forgive Daniel, begged the judge for leniency. I write this letter on behalf of my son, Daniel, Petra. Danny has had to face and is now facing very serious consequences of what he did on October 20th, 2007. I know, without any doubt, he has severe regret, remorse, and guilt of what he did to his mom and I that evening. I can't count the number of times he has told me that he's so sorry for what he did that he'll never be able to forgive himself. I can also count the number of times he has told me that he's so happy that I survived. And so glad to still be able to see me. He's told me that numerous times. I love you, Danny. I can't count the number of times that he said, Dad, I miss Mom. I miss Mom. His pain runs very deep, and it should. I believe, I believe it should run deep. And if, it's, if his pain did not run deep, I guarantee you I would not be standing here speaking on his behalf. I call him like I see him. And I would not stand here and talk on his behalf if his pain didn't run deep. I know it does, contrary to others' opinions. So I'm asking the court on Danny's behalf for a lenient sentence. I'm Danny does have remorse and regret 
And I believe God is a God of forgiveness and a God of second chances. Although God does not remove consequences, he doesn't. But he does give second chances. And I'm asking that Danny, in his lifetime, would have a second chance to be successful and do something positive and constructive. And I believe that even through this horrible circumstance, that Danny can set an example for all other young people not to get involved and do the things that he did. And I believe he can do that. I believe that may be a calling upon his life to do that. Thank you. Danny would ultimately be sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 23 years. Daniel Petrick will be eligible for parole in 2030. Well, that's the story of Daniel Petrick. It's funny because throughout my research for the episode, I heard lots of people call him Daniel Petrick. I decided to operate under the assumption that the Petricks know how to pronounce their own surname. This episode came via request, if I'm not mistaken. It did. It was suggested by Brad Walter, so thank you for that. Keep the suggestions rolling in. It makes deciding what case to cover next much easier. It takes the decision out of the process completely, which I'm banging a drum for. Make sure you give us a five-star rating if you think we deserve it. Also, write a review. We can't improve otherwise, and the ratings keep us motivated to keep rolling out weekly content. New episodes come out every Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Did we forget anything? No, I don't think so. I feel like we forgot something. Most likely, but I think everyone has got the gist by now. Yeah, probably. Anyway, thank you all so much for listening. Be kind, be safe, and we'll see you next Thursday. Goodbye. And I think you need to work on your goodbye. Why? I don't know, just goodbye. By itself, it just seems so abrupt, I guess. Shut up, stupid. That's not any better. Stop talking. Goodbye, listeners. <laughs> see ya.